Welcome to the Raising Successful Kids podcast. This is a podcast where we will discuss and explore how to raise children to be successful in all areas of their life. Irene Santanier is a working mum of an entrepreneurial child and shares a passion with her husband to see children succeed. And now, introducing your host, Irene Santanier. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Raising Successful Kids. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope everybody is well. Um, Today I've got in front of me somebody who's got a really lovely rich voice. I know you're going to enjoy listening to his voice. Uh, It's Paul Doust and what is it that you do actually? Would you like to describe what you actually Um, do? Yeah. Or how would you describe yourself? Well, some people think that I teach them to speak in public. which in principle I do, Mm -hmm. but I always say it's not what people might know as um, what I'm going to call the Mimo Ma Brigade Mm -hmm. of perhaps what you'd know as elocution in the olden days. Okay. Okay. It's much more about reaching people, Mm -hmm. connecting with them Mm -hmm. um, in a very deliberate way. So although it is public speaking, I would describe it more as being present it's about being present. Okay. And I feel very strongly about it. Yeah. Because I remember when, for instance, I was at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, mm-hmm. where I met the very brilliant Patsy Rodenberg, who had a big impact on my life. She's taught all over the place. Mm-hmm. And um, before she came along, I used to hear tutors saying things like, oh, this person is very charismatic. Oh, she never will be. Okay. And they would say that. To them, to their faces. No, no, but behind but, their backs. You know, the, this is this is the yeah, them. this is the expectation they had, okay. and of course, people live up to and down to expectation, yeah. do they not? Of and the tutors would radiate that to people. Mm. You can't really do this. Mm. We don't quite know how you got here, but you're not very good, and you're never going to be mm. right. Mm. And of course, that's exactly what happened, and it made me angry, really, because. Um, I thought, but they're wrong, mm. because we've all innately got this. And it's beaten out of us, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's beaten out quite early. Mm. If you look at children, yeah, they are fantastically present. Yeah, they, they, li- they live in the present, don't absolutely. they? Absolutely. Really? And that's why they ask you those awkward questions. Yeah. <laughs> they're straight on, because they're there, they're talking to you, yeah. and they're listening to you, mm-hmm. and they're brilliantly present, as are animals, Mm. dogs, cats, Mm. very present. Um, And something happens whereby they're taught to retreat. Okay. I mean, what you said when when you said about um, this person who made a big impact Mm. on you um, and how Mm. people say, oh, she's either got it or she hasn't, Mm. and then you already go in with that. Mm. It doesn't matter if they are the most charismatic person in your mind, suddenly they're not. Mm. Um, because you, that doubt has already been put there. So. Yeah, and it's very, very easy for people to lose it. It's 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 a natural state of being. Mm. And I remember a great friend of mine saying to me, always remember, Paul, you are never as attractive or successful as you are when you are fully yourself. Wow. Yeah? Mm. Or you might be repellent mm. to some. Mm. But it doesn't matter. There's no point being anything else but yourself and being present. So, there we go. So, uh, (laughs) it was essentially voice work. But voice work is so intimately connected with your own nature. Mm. The first thing you do when you're born is to breathe. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the very last things you do before you die. And it's a constant in and out, in and out. Mm. And your voice is sat right on that breath which goes into your body Mm. and it comes from your body Mm. and whatever's in your mind and in your heart will influence that and audiences read it yeah without question without question so instead of doing me mo ma which really doesn't matter Mm. because if your if your intention is to communicate Mm -hmm. you will okay in my experience that's true okay a bit of technique is useful Mm but not nearly as useful as people think. Okay. Attitude first, I think. What brought you to, to being um, somebody who looks at the way people speak and how they speak and how they can improve, how they deliver their speech? 
what brought you to where you are now, yeah. where you're basically running a business yeah. and helping teaching people. these people. Yeah. yeah, working with actors largely, mm. and working on a very old acting idea of circles of attention. Okay. Okay. And this involves the idea of there essentially being three circles of attention, which in fact goes all the way back to Quintilian, the Roman um, man who taught rhetoric. Mm -hmm. and, and he said, you have to be in the right circle of attention with your audience. He didn't quite say it like that. No. That's what he meant. So there's the first circle of attention, which is principally about yourself. It's a, a falling back into yourself, a slightly retreated effect, which we all know. We all know when people are in that state. Okay. It's the state of depression mm. and preoccupation with yourself. Is that where shy people tend to sit? Mm, that's a bit hard on shy people. Okay. <laughs> um, it's I'm quite shy, so I'm yeah. quite interested with Yeah, that. I think probably, yes. Okay. But I don't want to attack shy people. No, no. Because no. there's a reason they're there. Yeah usually mm. all right and then there's third third circle and it's the circle of aggression and domination and look at me it's um, what i call the circle of broadcasting okay rather than being with mm -hmm. and then there's second circle which is i suppose the golden mean in old-fashioned terms mm. where you are as i'm trying to be now with you yeah simply with someone in a circle that doesn't extend any further than the two of you okay. or the eight of you or the 400 of you. Okay, but when you're in a room of people, you're still only focusing on that one person or two people. Is that right? Or oh, no. If you were in a room of people and you chose to embrace everybody, yeah. that's what would be ideal, really, okay. if you're public speaking. Okay. But you might also want to close down. It's what you do, you know, at cocktail parties. Yeah. You can go into second with just two people mm. and just be with them. And then as you go into third, mm. if you get a bit frightened and anxious, you sort of start showing off a bit, you, you know. And it's all attitudinal. And what I regret about now is that a lot of people, out of fear, either go into third... Mm. Mm. managers quite often yeah who are scared of their staff mm. or don't know how to don't know really how to deal with people their yeah. social oh that's so them. true that's yeah. true you see ah mm, this is good yeah. the second circle place to be being present mm. is the circle of equality okay which is somewhere where a number of people don't want to go mm. they either want to be subservient or dominant mm. So to go somewhere that is equal mm. is unnerving for them. Now, when you're dealing with people and mm. you're assessing, obviously you're assessing where they sit in these three circles before mm. they even realise that you're yeah. doing I suspect that's what you do. Mm. Mm. Um, and as far as teenagers, because um, Paul has been working with our son quite a lot. Mm. Um, and as you know, if you listen to the podcast, um, Caden runs his own business and he's done presenting and stuff and we thought it would be a good idea to have for him to have some assistance in presenting because he's a teenager and we wanted him to come across in a positive way and Paul's been um, doing working wonders with him actually. So as far as that's concerned when you're dealing with teenagers or you said about children being very present, mm. if you catch them when they're that mm. age then is it possible for them to stay always in circle two and, and be trained to always think about being More or less, okay. yeah, more or less. Mm. Because, as I say, they live up to and down to expectation. And the natural state is to be in second. You're yeah. born in second. Yeah. It's, a, it's a circle of survival. Mm. If a baby were not in second, it couldn't apprehend its parents. Mm. You know? Okay. Animals generally live in second. Mm. Yeah? And we go in and out. First, second, third, a bit like that. But um, broadly speaking, the place to be is in second. And it's attitudinal. Okay. Okay. But that's difficult in terms of working with people to say, oh, it's attitudinal. It's mm. quite difficult. <laughs> so what I tend to do is that I use things like um, uh, breathing, 
being in touch with everybody by your breathing. You can simply breathe to other people. It sounds slightly hippy-dippy, <laughs> right? But if you just decide to send your breath to the room, mm. you do fill it without having to dominate it. Okay. It's an interesting thing, mm. and you will be audible as well. Okay. And people will notice, and they will pay attention, because you're including them. Mm. So it works extremely well. Um, those who habitually occupy first or third, hmm, it is tricky. But um, you have to encourage them to try out second. Mm. Yeah, it's breaking habits, isn't mm. it? Which is sometimes challenging wherever you are, but it's it's challenging sometimes to change habits of a lifetime. Yeah, but once they've done it, yeah, once they've exactly. done it, it's like they never really want to go back. It's mm. kind of like a one-way valve. They, 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 they do go back a bit. But interestingly enough, it's not so much the shy and the retreated mm. that are the most difficult. It's the people who have habitually been in third. Oh, okay, the, mo the more dominant. Yeah. Um, because I tell you why, I tell, I tell you why I think it is. Third, which is that pushed out energy that saps the room and takes everybody's oxygen away, mm. has the illusion of authority. Mm. Mm. It appears to be strong. But in fact... I don't think it is. I don't think it gets people to join in. Mm. I don't think it invites involvement. And I think it's born of fear, largely. Okay. So to get those people to to just try not doing that mm. is tricky. Mm. Do you have many people like that that come to you wanting help, or do they feel that they're... Um, no. no they Interesting. It's mostly first circle types. Okay because they can see the possibility of being different. Yeah. But those in third are often have been there for so long, mm -hmm. and that's and also their jobs depend on it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes their very out livelihood, they think, mm -hmm. is dependent on this. So they come, and they'll be the ones who want me to do me, mo, ma, mm -hmm. and breathing exercises and the lip, the tongue, the, you know, all that carry yeah. on. And so I just have to do that for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all right. Yeah. And then they get to know me and I say, do you know what? I've got this other approach, mm. which is more to do with you. Mm. Are you interested in trying it? Mm. And then they might shift. Okay. Sometimes they won't. No. No, if it's so ingrained yeah. in how they are. Nothing Nothing you can do about it. Sometimes mm. they'll just stay there forever mm. Mm. and um, be very lonely. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, going back to when you were um, a teenager, a yeah. child, mm -hmm. were you always like this? What What was the trigger for you to to decide that you wanted to help people in this way? Well, I thought there was a great need for people to be able to speak in public. Okay. Right. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. And I went into it thinking, oh, I know, I'll teach them to breathe, I'll teach them to do this, that and the other. And, but were it was. An actor? Were you an actor? Yeah, you yeah. I went. I went way? to theatre school. Yeah, and I thought that was the answer. Mm. Okay, and for a long time I believed that. And as I say, it's got a cosmetic appeal. It seems as if you're doing it well, but it's dead. Mm. Yeah, you'd rather have someone who who messed up a bit, but they were there with you. Mm. They'll forgive that, but if you were simply speaking at people, yeah. they will not engage with you. Mm. So I worked out finally that this was simply wasn't working. It took me a bit of time to really come to it. And I thought, no, there's something, there's something else here. Why are these people so charismatic and these people aren't? Mm. And I thought it's because they're, they've got respect for the people in the room and they're willing to not be frightened of them mm. and to be with them fully. Okay. And it's a, it's a big ask. Mm. Emotionally, it's quite daring. Mm. But what happens is if you dare to do it, people will come to you. Okay. I've discovered. Okay. But I don't want it to sound as if it's all just in your head. You know, there are things that I do. Yeah. I do the breathing. Yeah. I do the um, um, engaging with your own voice. There are very technical things you can do. Mm -hmm. So there is technique. Yeah. However, I am of the opinion that some people put technique first. And no end of technique is going to help you mm. Mm. unless you're in the right place in your head okay, and your heart. So it's a mindset thing as yeah, much. It's an attitude. Yeah. And on that attitude, you can build anything. Mm. You can then act. You can deliver a speech. 
But most importantly, you can simply just be with other people. Yes, yes. Which is the critical thing, which is another thing I feel very strongly about because I think as a community, as human beings, this ability to be present with another mm. or a group of others mm. is going. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's very, very worrying mm. because, and I don't want to sound like a, um, a Luddite, I'm not anti-technology in the least, but people get very anxious about people being on their screens. We're always going to damage their eyes or diddly dudly da. But my big worry is that they are oddly unable to be with other people. Mm. It's very and, alienated, yeah, isn't it? and I don't think I was like I don't think it was like that when I was younger. Mm. People might have been a bit socially clumsy, yeah, but they could still be with others. Yes. They understood broadly how to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I'm working with some apprentices at the moment. They've got me in this college. Have got me in to make their apprentices able to mm. talk with the employer. Mm. Yeah, because they can't all they can't just send them a WhatsApp no. message or whatever. No. And the, the level of fear they have about just having a conversation. Mm. It's, I just think it's astonishing. You find it astounding. I do. Yeah. I really do. Mm. Well, no, 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 perhaps I don't because I've seen so much of it. Mm. But um, I feel for them. And, and when they start to be able to do it, it changes their lives. Mm. And I think it's absolutely crucial that we're able to do it with other people, just be with other people. Yeah, because however um, social media evolves, mm. which obviously does on a daily basis, um, the need to talk to people in whatever sphere you're working in mm. or learning or wh- whatever it might be, mm. you still need to be able to talk to people. If you're doing a deal with someone, you have mm. to sit down and talk to them face-to-face. If your deal goes, whatever that deal is, property, business... Um, creative if your deal starts to go belly up the best thing to do is to go to wherever that person is Mm. and speak to them face to face eye to eye contact and talk to them the same as when you're talking with teenagers or children the Mm. best thing to do is get down to their level and and talk to them um, and try and understand what's going on with them you can't you can't do all of that on social media at all no but kids are that's how they're brought up these days, isn't it? To, mm. to think everything needs to be done by social media, or yeah, and it's really it's a really difficult world for them to come out of that and think, no, well, no, you need to actually communicate with yeah. people. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because um, sometimes when I'm talking to the apprentices, I've only got the telephone because mm. they're on a building site or something. Mm. These tend to be people who are doing practical tasks, okay. plumbing and things like this. And I have to speak to them to say how you're getting on, blah, blah, blah. And um, <laughs> I go into second mm. through the telephone. Mm. And so I, I just project myself in my mind. I think, I'm just going to be with you now for however long this is, 15 minutes. It might not be very long. And I talk to them. And, of course, you. And very importantly, you can listen in second as well. Okay. So you listen in second circle with these people. And Do you want that, to explain a little bit how that, how that works? Yeah. It's the same attitudinal thing. Of course, this is nothing to do with your voice, but it is to do with breathing. Mm. You send them your attention, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you can do it on the phone. You can just send them your attention. Mm. And, of course, I don't know that anything goes down the phone line, but they can detect in the way you wait. Mm-hmm that you have an attitude of attention. Okay. Yeah. You're, not, you're not asking well-framed questions or anything like that, you're just... You might be. Okay. But your attitude will frame those questions and it will cause you to wait for them to speak because we're in the circle of equality. Mm. You don't come up with the answers. Mm. But these young people are so used to being told the answers. Mm. So I say, how are you doing? And then I just wait. Mm. And then they talk. Mm. And I wait a bit longer and they talk a bit more. And they can tell. They can tell because they start laughing because mm. I'm actually listening to them. Yeah. It's, it's an odd experience, <laughs> but it definitely works. And I remember I was chatting to one the other day. We were talking about, what was he telling me about? He'd learned something about health and safety. And um, 
And I was really with him in, in the second circle. And I said, oh, tell me about high-vis. I believe it's become very fashionable now with young people. I think people are wearing it on the streets, are they? Mm. And he couldn't believe that I was asking him. And then he said, yes, I think they are, you know. Mm. And we were suddenly, in the, I suddenly, we, we went clunk mm. into proper second. And we were actually talking to each other. Yeah. And thereafter, he was much more open with me. Mm. It was mm. an interesting thing that mm. I thought this is interesting what's happening here. Is it like shifting a like drawing back a curtain? And so, yes. that, so that trust moves from yeah. behind the curtain where they they're holding mm. on to it to pass the curtain and okay, I can trust you. I trust you now. They might not re- recognize that that's what's happening, mm. but yeah, maybe they've obviously never experienced that with anybody. No. And you can give it to them without them knowing. Mm. You go into second, you're with them, and they won't quite know what's going on because mm. what do you have to, have to tell them? No. You can just do it. Yeah. And eventually, they will shift. You can draw people into that circle, mm. and you can draw an entire audience into that circle. Mm. And it's fantastically powerful. Mm. It's kind of been known for a long time. As I say, there's Quintilian, Patsy Rodenberg talks about first, second, and third great acting teacher, Stanislavski, talked about circles of attention, mm. um, reaching the audience, reaching one other actor. People know this, and it's when I, when it's, it's interesting. I was running a workshop. This is an interesting thing. I was running a workshop the other day, not the other day, a few weeks ago, and I was saying, do you understand this about first, second, and third? Because sometimes it, I do think it sounds a bit esoteric. Yeah. But no, 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 they all get it. It's mm. weird. It's as if they, you know, when you see cave paintings, mm. And they're not mysterious. No. You understand them emotionally, don't you? Yes. They're ancient, but you understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I describe this, people go, oh, yes. Mm. There's no difficulty with them understanding it. Mm. And they say, I've, one woman nearly made me cry the other day. She said, but I think I've been so long in first ball. Mm. And it was really moving. It was a weird experience. Yeah. And I said, but you don't have to stay there. Yeah, that's the thing. It's you like, don't you're not have tied to stay there. To no. In that place, are no, you? no. And then uh, I said, can anyone describe this to me? I was doing teaching, wasn't I? You know, seeing if they'd got it. And can you talk me through first, second, and third? And this woman stood up and she said, I think it's this. First is me. Third is them. Second is us. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. Very succinct way of putting it. And I wrote it up and I said, I'm going to use that. Yeah. I'm going to use that in the future. Yeah. So it is wonderful. And then, of course, once you've established the attitude, then you can get on with the technique. Yeah. So I worked with a woman who was at, uh, used to go to meetings, who did, you know, meetings at work, and would not speak in the meetings. Mm. Mm. Okay, so then I said, right, well, we know the attitude. You know the attitude you've got to develop, and you're well on the way. Let's do some practical things. And I said, under the table, they can't see your legs or feet, can they? Mm. No. I said, so put your feet flat on the floor, and imagine you're breathing from the earth. This sounds so weird. I said, breathe from the earth into you and out to the room. Mm. And she looked at me like I was mad. <laughs> and I said, well, do me a favour. Just You've got nothing to lose. Yeah, just try it. I said, you've got nothing to lose. Mm. And I said, I think they will pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. And she went off. I didn't see her for a couple of weeks. And she came back and she said, this has revolutionised meetings, Paul. They do pay attention to me. Mm. And they wait till I finish speaking. She was interrupted a lot. Mm. And I said, just speak slowly yeah and breathe yeah to them but don't exclude them don't go into third just be with them in the room Mm. and it really changed us so uh, that those techniques do work hard techniques it's taking away the fear as well isn't it fear of rejection or um fear of somebody laughing at you or Mm. whatever it might be and um i know you're saying you're working with apprentices and then you started working Mm. with um teenagers Mm. as well so um that's a really good, I would think, a really good technique to use mm. with them because they have a big thing about being rejected and fearful of what people are going to mm. say about them. There's not very many teenagers I come across who don't have that idea that they're concerned that people are going to reject them or they they love they want to be liked in their mm. circle of friends, but 
outside of that, they're mm. fearful of how they're going to be. Yeah, um, and you see, that ties in very closely with the whole second circle business mm. in that it links very closely to the idea of um, unconditional positive regard. You don't make them earn it. Okay. You just give it to them. Mm. Mm. And they're so shocked, quietly shocked, that they are taken aback, that they don't have to earn this from you. Mm. Do you understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah, in that there's no, if you're that way with them, mm. there's no, they don't have to pay anything towards no. you, you know, not physically paying you, obviously, no. but you're not expecting anything back from them. Yeah. Exactly. And the yeah. problem is, well, I'm going to say, oh, it'll be a bit controversial now. The problem, with, uh, <clears throat> the problem with education, in my opinion, mm. is this thing of being constantly measured mm. and constantly told you're not quite good enough. Because yeah. even if you're very good, yeah. you're, you're still not still quite good, good enough. enough. Yeah. yeah. And I think it has a terrible impact on people. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I absolutely oh. agree. Um, this sounds me crazy. So if you say, do you know what? You are good enough. Mm. This is it. Mm. It's fine. Mm. But then how do you encourage them to um, attain higher? Well, this is what I think happens. I've, got, I've not done a study on this. It's just what I've experienced. They will tell you. Mm. <laughs> you know, you decide they're good enough, and then they'll go, oh, but how about if I did this? And I said, oh, that's a good idea. Mm. They'd be even better then, wouldn't you? Yeah. They will do it. Mm. But what they don't want to do is have to fight for your approval. Mm. If you just give it to them. I've discovered, we're going slightly off, but it's all to do with this second circle attitude. Yeah. If you give them your approval, they're much more concerned about losing it yes. than earning it. Yeah. I think, that's, <laughs> no, I think that's really important, actually. It's crucial, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I think, think that is. And it works with adults, it works yeah. with everybody. If yeah. you make them earn it, mm. you know, show me you're good enough mm. to have my approval. Mm. Mm. This links back to working with actors. Mm. A lot of bad work with actors is about show me you're good enough at acting. Mm. Whereas when I rehearse with them, I say, right, we're going to do this and you're going to do something extraordinary. I don't know what it is yet, but I just know you will because mm. you're that sort of person. Mm. And of course they do. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't take much, does it, to encourage somebody no. to just to change their attitude a little bit, um, and then you know the whole world opens up to them. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't take much, um, no. and people seem to lose that. Well, I know people lose that understanding of just that simple switch. Um, and when you're working with kids, uh, teenagers, kids, wherever you're working with them, that idea of Okay, they they like I've got your approval. Mm. Paul, Paul approves of me as a person, mm. so I'm going to do my very best to meet that approval and to go better. It's not hard for them to do it then. No. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not having to prove anything. They're not having to. They're not living in dread that you're going to be evaluating them endlessly. Mm. You know, and I think it really is miserably debilitating to mm. people. Mm. Um, because by and large, well, I suppose it's, it's about kindness, really, yeah. in the end. Yes. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. And it's about not living in fear of others mm -hmm. and neither wanting to make them afraid of you. Mm -hmm. And that is an unusual position for many people to occupy. Yeah. We're encouraged. I've I worked with some management folk, and um, I will do a Trojan horse. I will do vocal technique I'll do all kinds of things because I know they want it's like you know when you do come a friend of mine's a magician mm. you do a, what they call a convincer at the beginning yeah. to persuade them you're a magician yeah. so I do a bit of Mimo Ma to persuade them I know what I'm talking about but it's it's only a device yeah. it's only for me to get beyond that yeah. once they think oh he knows what diaphragmatic breathing is oh he must be okay <laughs> right so I do that I'll do a diet I'll do the powerpoint that's how you're breathing la 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 and once they've decided I know what I'm talking about, I then actually say out loud, now we're going to do the things that really matter. <laughs> and they go, mm. and I say, because that is actually kind of irrelevant. Mm. It's yeah. a result of what we're going to now learn. Yeah. Yes. Follows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I'd say, they get very worked up about breathing and all the being heard. And I say, you know, when a child runs out into the road, 
Mm. Yeah, and they say, yeah. I say, do you think the parent says, oh, I just better go on a workshop to learn <laughs> how to apprehend with my voice that child? Yeah. No. <laughs> Their whole body does it. It yeah. breathes, it sends out the sound in a way that's completely present, mm. and it apprehends the child. Mm. So I say, you know how to do this. Yeah. Someone has persuaded you you don't. Mm. But we all do. Mm. It's interesting you're saying that because it brings to mind a memory that my brother told me that he went many years ago when Karen Carpenter, um, the singer, was alive. Mm. And she was singing. They were. He went to a concert of theirs at um, the London Palladium. Mm. And the curtain drew back. The place was absolutely packed with people. My brother was, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 rows back from the stage. Um, no, more than that, I think, actually. And the curtain drew back and Karen Carpenter was just standing there on her own. No musicians, you know, the band in, mm. the, in the pit weren't playing. And my brother turned to his girlfriend at the time and said, well, we're not going to hear her from here, are we? Because she didn't have a mic on mm. either. We're not going to hear her from here. What's the point of this? And she opened her mouth and he could, and he said it was like mm. she was sitting next to him. Because she had that idea, she, she then said, she sang a song mm. and they all went wild and she said, it's like I want to sit next to every single mm. one of you and sing with you, sing to you. Yeah. Um, so it's that idea of yeah. making them feel wanted, special. And when you're dealing with kids particularly, because mm. obviously this is about, the podcast is mm. about kids mm. and teenagers, etc., and making them think and be successful mm. in what they're doing, wherever, whatever that mm. is. If they feel that they're being acknowledged, encouraged, um, mm. then they go on to be think successfully. It's part of that mindset growth mm. um, that becomes part of who they are and whatever they do. Yeah, it's so true. There's two things I'm talking about. Karen Carpenter, uh, just quickly, Gracie Fields, who is well beyond Karen Carpenter, <laughs> but people will remember Gracie. Yeah. Some people remember Gracie. They said to her, how do you do it, Gracie? Mm. How do you do this? Because, you know, she was the highest paid entertainer yeah. in Hollywood, in fact. Can you imagine? In Hollywood mm. for a short while. Mm. And she was certainly the greatest top of the bill variety artiste for about a decade. Mm. And they said, how do you connect? They didn't say the word connect. How do you do it with this? All? How do you do it? Mm. And this is what she said. Silver threads. From me to each one of them is mm. a silver thread. And she was not an educated woman. No. But she completely knew that she had to be in individual contact in a sort of a radial manner mm. with everybody in the room, in the theatre, wherever she was. And I thought that is the most fantastic description mm. of what it's about. So that, in terms of entertainment, that's great. I saw it with Diana Rigg as well. I saw Diana Rigg play Medea. And I thought, I am in the presence of a star. Yeah. This is extraordinary because she was so there. Mm. And I haven't seen it that often. No. Very rarely. Yeah. yeah. They lo a lot of actors do a lot of third circle acting. Mm. Ooh, look at me doing acting, acting. Mm. It's terrible. And then they actually get quite good notices for it. Mm. The acting was very good. Mm. Anyway. So, but then another thing about young people I've found is that um, sometimes when I'm, I might be working... Not with you, I might hasten to add. But with some parents and children, or more actually teachers and children, I've found that inherently the adult will not go into second with the child. Mm. They won't do it. Mm. But they are resolutely in third because they're instructing and guiding and they're doing all these things mm. from a position of third. If they would genuinely just go, right, that, I'm putting that to one side. Mm. I'm now going to be with you now, and we're going to talk about this, and, and we'll work something out, and we'll... Mm. It's like, you know how some teachers are quite frightened of a group of students? Yes. There's, and no one's really... I'm going to write a thesis about this. Why are some tutors, teachers, lecturers frightened of their students? Because mm. they are. Yeah. And they do behind-the-desk acting, if you don't want to be. Yes, yeah. There is a desk, whether it's physically there... Oh, yeah, I've had teachers like that. Right. But if there's not a desk physically, they will create one emotionally. Yeah. There'll be a desk behind which they retreat. Mm. Right? And they're frightened of them. Mm. And I said to them, but what can go wrong? Mm. 
the worst thing that could possibly probably happen is you don't know something. Mm. And so what? Mm. And they don't like it. No. They don't like it. No, but it's quite, it is quite a gear shift mm. change for people though, isn't it? Mm. Um, you know, because in years gone by I've worked with like a singing coach or something mm. like that. And, you know, the, the approach that you have, I think, is it is quite different, mm. revolutionary almost, mm. um, rather than saying, okay, this is how we're going to learn this and, and dictating. Mm. Um, and what you said before, well, you, you were okay singing that song, but it could be better. Or when you sing in a choir, yeah, you were okay singing that piece, but this is what I'm, I know you can sing that better. So your idea of this is fantastic, what you've done is fantastic. Let's shift it up a gear and let's see what else we can achieve. Kind of. that's how I'm understanding. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. No, this is you put. Do you want to hear another story? This is great. This is a, <laughs> from a woman who was an Australian, so she didn't quite understand British rules, mm. right? So she taught us singing. Strangely mm. enough, at the Guildhall, and she was naturally very present. She was very very good. She was always in second with us. She, we didn't have the feeling that she was deigning to be with the, the students. Mm. She was just there. Mm. And she was the sessional tutor, interestingly. She just came in and did a bit and went. Mm. So she wasn't involved in the whole thing, mm. the whole politics. And she had this fantastic technique, which was so second and so giving. If you didn't, you'd been taught singing, did you yeah. say? Yeah. yeah, you know when they do... Right? She'd do all that. Well, I wasn't very good at singing, actually. And <laughs> I'd be trying my best. Da, 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 da. But once every few notes, I would hit a note. Yeah. And she would hit the piano and say, brilliant, Paul, this is brilliant. Mm. She ignored everything else. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And eventually I joined up all those notes mm. and I could do it. Yeah. She simply, I think there's a place for letting some things wither on the vine. Mm. Just let them go. Mm. Let them go. Mm. And I think particularly when you're dealing with kids and teenagers mm. particularly, that's a real thing to keep in the forefront of your mind when you're dealing with them and coaching them, helping them, whatever it is you're doing, to not continually pounce on absolutely everything that they say or do because some things they say to irritate you, some, to, mm. some things they don't really mm. understand why they're saying mm. it. They just seem to come out with this stuff. Um, but the art of learning to let some things go and pick up on what's what's important, what's mm. going to encourage them and help them grow, mm. etc. That's that's a real skill. And it's about um, another second circle thing is it's about patience, mm. as you're describing. It's not all going to happen immediately. No. No. You just have to wait. Yeah. And sometimes you have to wait for them to come to you. Mm. Mm. You just have to wait. Mm. But it's hard in a world that we live in, which is going at a thousand miles an hour every minute, mm. Mm. kind of idea. It is. Yeah, we want instant gratification, don't we? People yeah. have got to achieve instantly. Yeah. But I don't find that, my experience is that's not very productive and it's not long lasting. Mm. Again, it's like the superficiality of third circle. It's like if you hothouse people, you might get some kind of a result, but you can only do that for so long. Mm. It's counterproductive yeah. in the end. Oh, yeah. it, it doesn't work. Mm. And it's this thing about achievement and measuring them all the time. And, oh, dearie me, it kills them off. Well, somebody think, like Richard Branson, you know, he has this famous quote, and I'm going to probably say it, incorrectly mm. but it's something along the lines of you know if you look after what is it if you look after your staff they make your staff it's about making your staff feel mm. wanted mm. Um, and caring for your staff then they will stay with you um, rather than help making sure that I know I've said that completely mm. wrong but it is about that idea of making people feel special protected um, appreciated and that's why his business one. You know, mm. That's why his business goes from strength to strength from day to day because that's what he does with his staff. Mm. He knows it's the same as the guy that um, ran the what's that truck company that where they have the names of pe girls people on the on the side of the trucks. You see them all the time, the green ones. Mm. Uh, but the the chap that ran that business, who started that business, 
he knew every single truck driver mm. in every depot that he had across the UK. Mm. Um, and he knew who the, the names of their wives, he knew mm. the names of their kids, and he would go and speak to them and say, you know, Roger, how is your, how's your wife Elaine or whatever today? How did you enjoy your holiday in France? Mm. He knew absolutely everything about each one mm. of them. Um, and it made those staff never left that company. They stayed for mm. years and years and years, loyal, loyal mm. to the end. Um, and it was just that one thing it made them. He he made them feel as if he was part of this. They were part of this big, mm. big family. Um, mm. And it is quite a. It's I, I truly believe it's a skill to be able to do that. I think we should all be able mm. to do it because all of us like to feel appreciated mm. and. and accepted and known mm. um, but it is still quite a, yeah a I, yeah I understand why, why why people in the workplace for instance find it difficult because the culture is not quite often not that mm. and it takes a bold person to say we're gonna have a meeting where we actually do talk to each other mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than have a meeting where I'm going to tell you everything, yeah. I'll be in third, you can all be in first, mm. and no one will really say anything, mm. which is my experience of many meetings. Mm. Um, but to actually say really excellent managers properly engage their people, mm. don't they? Yeah. I had a fantastic manager recently, and she sat down and she said, this is a terrible situation we're in. It's a real mess. Mm. And I'm just telling you the truth. And maybe collectively we can work something out. Because mm. there are people in this room who know things about things that I don't know anything about. Mm. And you know when they, they write that and that's how you should manage people. Mm. And how many people do? Yeah. Not many. No. Because they're scared. Yeah. But it's just brilliant. Mm. And, and she was perfectly in second and she spoke to us properly. She didn't do jargon. Mm. That's another thing, jargon, mm. how people retreat behind that. She just said, this is a nightmare. This is awful, what's mm. going on here. Mm. Well, I don't even know if we can sort it out, but let, shall we try? Mm. She was brilliant. And I said, if we'd videoed you conducting that meeting, you could have used that as training material because it was so brilliant. I thought it was great. Mm. And she was just naturally in second. Mm. Someone somewhere in her life had told her she was okay. Yeah, yeah. And she believed it. Yeah. So there is, an there is an opportunity, obviously, if if you've been exposed to one way, mm. um, to then have a switch and you, um, it's not fixed, is what I'm trying to no, say. No, no, because as I say, we're all born in second. We're all born alive to the world and present. And it's in a way it's remembering that mm. and growing it and mm. just deciding to occupy it. Mm. And... Um, and trusting it really and you can practice i get people to practice i say just do this just do this when you're checking out the supermarket most people are habitually in sort of first really i said just stop and there's someone who's dealing with you they're putting your products through and i said just try being for a moment in second with them mm. and I, I did this at little the other day i said this is very fast how you're doing this do, do you get training? Mm. And she said, yeah, we do. We get, we get quite good training on this. And I said, well, nonetheless, you're doing it very well. And then I said, have you tried these? Because they're really good. And mm. she said, no, I haven't. And we had this little exchange. Mm. And you can just practice doing it. Yeah. And it's yeah. not scary. Mm. So <laughs> can you give a couple of tips what people could do? Because um, in, in a given situation, so if they're feeling fearful of, of being in a, a situation, a meeting or mm. a presentation they've got to do or mm. whatever it might be, what, what would be, say, three good tips that would right. help them? I think first, and this sounds so strange, but I imagine <laughs> an actual a physical circle that goes just beyond my audience, whether that's one person or ten people or a hundred, mm. and be, just slightly behind me, in which we are all gathered. Okay. I actually imagine that. Mm. And I imagine it very strongly. And I say to myself, we are all within this circle and we're, we're all together in it. And I say, and we are all equal in this, including me. Mm -hmm. And it's all right. We're all allowed to be here. Okay. So that's the first thing I do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so everybody starts off in the same standing. Yeah, at least from my point of view. Sure. And they will read that. And like this, it's slightly mysterious. I don't know quite how it works, mm. but it is odd. Mm. Right? Even if they don't know you're doing it, you can choose to do it. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, then I say to myself, this is really simple. I say something will go wrong. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Yeah. Things go wrong. Yeah. If you're making a something will go wrong. Mm -hmm. You'll say something that that you shouldn't have said, something where the, the technology will fail. You'll mess up. It doesn't matter. And you just stay in second. It's okay. Things mm -hmm. go wrong, don't they? Mm -hmm. And then um, the other thing, which is a, a voice technique I teach people, is to simply breathe to the entire group. As you breathe in and exhale, send it. Imagine you're actually sending some actual solid matter to them when you're breathing. Okay. And that will engage them. It's, I think in hypnosis, it's called pacing and leading or something. Mm. Somehow or other, you, you send to them mm. and they receive and they send back. It's quite an odd thing. Mm. And not to be, I would say, don't be scared of being slightly esoteric about it mm. because if it's only poetic if it's only a poetic idea in your head yeah. it will have an effect yes. on the way you are mm. rather than thinking you're in a room behind barbed wire which is how a lot of people live mm. yeah that's how they live they live by their metaphor don't they mm -hmm. so just decide that that's not the case mm. and people's defenses will gradually gradually break mm. down mm. and they'll be a bit more real with you mm. it might take a long time mm. But it it will happen, and they'll they'll start opening up. Okay. So, what does the future hold for Paul Dowst? Where are you, what well, are you doing at the moment? I'm working with Caden. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also doing some work with the Royal Albert Hall because, mm. believe it or not, their middle management blokes incapable of speaking to anybody. <laughs> so they've heard about me, so they've hoiked me up there. So that's good. So I'm doing some work with them because they have to make all kinds of presentations. You can imagine what it's yeah. like. Mm. It's quite tough in yeah. the arts. I'm working with The Apprentices, which I really rather enjoy. And I'm going to start doing something because I don't want to give the impression I'm not at all technique because mm. it's critical. Yeah. And I've got very interested in rhetoric recently through Quintilian mm. and his basic ideas of connecting to people. And I thought I might run some kind of a workshop or program where you unite the second circle presence with technique of rhetoric, which is a lost art. Yeah. Or rather, it's possessed by a privileged group. Okay. And there are so real... opening it up to the masses. Yeah. As yeah. The rule of three, mm. you know, all that stuff that Winston Churchill knew, all mm. these techniques of speaking that Obama knew, still knows mm. um so linking that technique with being present mm. which is what the great ones do if you look at um any great speech they are not simply using rhetoric on its own they're not being present on its own they're doing two things together mm. and so I, I think that could be incredibly useful for all kinds of people mm. so that's a plan i've got to do next okay yeah. okay mm. and um okay so now i'm going to just ask you a few um off the cuff, kind oh, okay. of, off the ball kind of questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, who inspires you most? Um, well, I have to go back to Patsy Rodenberg, who was life altering when mm. I met her. It was as if she told me something I knew, mm. and she continues to teach. I don't see her often now, but I think her impact on the world has been extraordinary mm. because it's beyond acting and speaking. It's a it's real life learning. Mm -hmm. So she is, continues to inspire me. Um, yeah, I'd say Patsy, actually. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, beach or city holiday? Oh, city. Why is that? I like doing things. I like talking with people. I like experiencing things. Beach, okay, for a short time. Mm -hmm. But I would rather be engaged and doing things. Okay. Yeah. Summer or winter? Winter. Why would that be? Now, why? Maybe because I was born in the winter. Okay. Is there any truth in that? When you're yeah, born? Yeah, I was born a, in February. I've heard a lot about that. There is a, so, there's some statistical proof to say that that's, that? yeah. that's so. There's something I like about um, the bleakness of it. Um, I find it energising. Mm. It's good. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. So, 
The podcast is called Raising Successful Kids. Mm. Um, so what does raising successful kids mean to you? Giving them your approval. Okay. <laughs> this is the most important thing I might say. Yeah, Just no. give it to them. Have the nerve to give it to them. Mm -hmm. Don't give it to them with a bit of a string that you can pull back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just give it to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. Be in second with them. Dare to really do that. Mm -hmm. Not pretend to be. Mm -hmm. From a position of third, masquerading as second. Yeah. Really, really do it. Listen to them. And wait. That's fantastic. I don't think I can add actually anything better than that. So um, how can people find you? Because I know you're not a social media person. No, not really. Um, so there's no point looking on Facebook and Instagram no, and Twitter. Maybe I should become that. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you won't find Paul. But mm. um, do you have people can contact you via email or you have a website? I can do, no, I can do email. Okay. I'm working on a website. Okay. Do email. Okay. So do yep. you, would you like to give out your email address yes. if people would like to get in contact with you or at least um, maybe make a connection with you somehow? Mm -hmm. Are we ready? Yeah. Right. It's P-D-D-O-U-S for Sierra, T for Tango, at hotmail.com. So very easy. Yeah. Very easy. Um, and you're saying you're working at the Royal Albert Hall at the moment and mm. with other people, but you mm. are open to other people to having sessions. We were oh, yeah, I do one-to-ones. Yep. Yeah. That um, Paul is feeling a little bit overwhelmed with everything that he's go got going on mm. at the moment. But I know from the experience that we've had um, where he's been working with Caden that he will find time for whoever um, is interested in working mm. with him. So... Mm. Um, don't feel that you can't get hold of him because he will come back to you. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Um, we've known or been had the pleasure of Paul's company for a few months. I think it might be a year. Seriously, a year? I think it might be. Okay. Um, but it feels as if it's longer. And mm. um, it's been really enlightening listening to you today. And um, Because although you've been working with our son, I didn't really appreciate you know, what, what you've been I've seen the results of what you've done with him, but I mm. didn't appreciate the how you get there. So um, I want to say thank you for that and Your thank pleasure. you for today. Um, really appreciated you taking the time out of your busy day to come and record the podcast. And I know a lot of people will have appreciated listening to you. So if you have, then please leave a comment um, on the Facebook page, on the Instagram page. That would be great. Um, I look forward to delivering another podcast very soon thank you very much